<laughs> Man, I grew up, I grew up in like a, how do I say this nicely? I grew up in like this super spiritual household and at a pretty old school church. And I used to have to sneak that music. Anybody have to sneak like Power Rangers? I had to sneak Power Rangers. Like, but grew up, Looney Tunes raised me, right? That's where we're at. Uh, go with me to John 4. I'm going to talk for 10 minutes or so and then we'll get back. You guys excited for Egos? Anybody excited for Egos? We got Pop-Tarts and Egos and chocolate milk. Yeah, I'm excited. Chocolate milk. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I want to give you a talk real quick tonight around the subject. It's not as easy as it used to be. It's not as easy as it used to be. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you uh, that we can come together and we can celebrate the greatest decade ever, the 90s and the early thousands, because that was good too. But God, we thank you uh, that we're, what a great time to be alive, that we're alive in an age where we can have more impact with the life we live than we ever thought we could, and uh, that you are doing more in this world than we ever thought you would. And we thank you for that, and you're so great. We want to understand you and see you a little more clearly tonight. In your name, amen. Man, man, things, man, adulting is hard, right? Like, everybody's like, yeah, man, it stinks. Like, I, I, I had to call and make my own doctor's appointment. Um, like, they asked me what insurance I had, and apparently Brittany had put my insurance card in my wallet. Didn't even know. And so they're asking me for insurance, and I was like, that's my mom's category. Like, I don't know what insurance I have. And like, I, I was talking with Brittany about this as we were getting ready for this night. And man, I remember when like the most important thing that mattered in the whole wide world was that the cool mom did snacks after the soccer game, right? And brought Oreos in the sleeves, not, not the carton where the weird kid with gross hands would like reach in and just pull the Oreos out. But like the individually wrapped cartons. And then the Capri Suns, right? Capri Suns, because that's the juice that is the best juice in the world. And you would flip it over and poke it in the bottom. Anybody do that? Anybody flip it over? Yeah. No. So I'm weird. All right. That's cool. I'm weird. That's cool. Okay. I'm weird. That's cool. And then like, you know, during summer, you know, like flipping the channels because you're able to watch daytime TV, which you could not do when you were in school. And then you're introduced to Jerry Springer for the first time ever. And Mari, anybody remember? You are not the father. Woo! Freaking out. Like, you know, and that was all that mattered. And, like, hopping on your huffy and riding around the street. Like, I remember my first, I remember my first, like, legit not from Walmart bike. It was a Trek. That was awesome. I remember cruising the street. It was like I had a Lamborghini, right? Just riding around the street showing off my cool bike that didn't come from Walmart. And, and we would build these ramps, right? And which I did not have an engineering degree at the time. But we would build the kind of ramps that you would like launch. I still don't have one. You guys will get that later. But like I would launch myself down the hill on my street 
to this thing, to this ramp that we built that had no nails in it, right? No nails, no screws, definitely thought this through, and would launch yourself. I remember trying to learn how to ride a skateboard, snapping it in half. I was just standing on it. I don't know how it happened. I remember, I, I, I remember, um, I remember playing with my friend Bottle Rockets, right? Those are awesome. Those are summertime fun. I remember we were uh, at his house, and we were having a bottle rocket war. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, where you actually aim them at each other. And so my friend's neighbor called the cops, and I'm standing there with a BB gun in one hand and a handful of lit bottle rockets in the other. And as the cop drives by, like, boo, 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 boo. And I'm just like, it wasn't us, I promise. Like, I remember Otter Pops. Everybody remember Otter Pops? Yeah, and, like, you you would, uh, those, I'm pretty sure, like, we've all seen those memes as that's how Joker got, like, his things on his side of his face, right? Because they would literally rip your mouth apart, and then you got smart enough to, to cut them with the scissors that your mom kept in the junk drawer. Everybody remember that? Those are, like, the same scissors that your hair got cut with, and, like, the UPS box got opened with. And, like, you know, the chicken, that like, that's how that got opened. And then that's also how you opened your Otter Pops, right? Like, you didn't care. Nothing mattered. I, I, I remember, like, getting into middle school and my Jansport backpack and feeling, like, super cool walking through school with my Jansport backpack and my Reebok shoes and my, my, uh, my Nike Air T-shirt because that was super cool. I, I remember it was so much easier back then. Being satisfied, being happy, being content, it was so much easier back then. And then all of a sudden, middle school, you got to make the team, right? And you show up to tryouts, and how many athletes do we have? How many, how many different people played sports growing up? Yeah, I remember, I remember walking in wearing a, fair, a pair of FUBU shoes that looked like Jordan's, thinking I was so cool, man. Like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to make the team on my shoes alone. I remember that being a big deal that I made the team because, man, if I could just make the team, I'd be cool. And then I remember writing in journalism class, realizing that that was really hard. I don't want to do that anymore. And, like, stop that. I remember being in band in high school. I remember doing leadership class. And, man, you get into high school now, it's I got to pass all my classes so I can get into the college that I want to get into. And then you realize maybe passing all these classes isn't that important. And maybe community college is pretty sweet, you know. And then... And then you go to community college, and it's, man, i got to figure out what I want to do with my life. And you go, and you start out excited about changing the world, right? I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to change the world. And then it's like, I'm just going to pass my class and hopefully not graduate with a lot of debt. And, and it starts getting harder to be satisfied. Then you graduate college, and now it's i got to make all the money, and got to find the wife or the husband, whatever applies to you. And I got to make enough money to have 2.5 kids, white picket fence, 401k, retire in Hawaii, play golf in Tommy Bahama shorts, right? Like that. And all of a sudden, it's a lot harder to be satisfied. And what used to make life and make your day growing up, now we got to throw throwback Thursdays to remember how much simpler things were back then. I want to present the thought tonight. I think a lot of us are looking to be satisfied 
in the wrong places. We've made life a lot more complicated than it needs to be. I want to present the thought tonight that the satisfaction of your life and the satisfaction of your soul has a whole lot more to do with who you put your life in than the things that you do. So as we're in John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. We're going to read a chunk of scripture and then I'll pull some thoughts out and we'll go eat some egos, which kept me alive until I married Brittany. But John 4, starting in verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Verse 12, you are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I have that I will give them shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will come in him, a well of water springing up to eternal life. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, this avion, this, this nice expensive water that I don't have money for. So I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, this you have said truly. The woman said to him, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I am who, I who speak to you am he. Three thoughts tonight. If, if I could point out three areas that our generation, us 90 kids, are grabbing satisfaction from, we see outlined in this story with the Samaritan woman, a little cultural background for you. For Jesus to be speaking to this woman was absurd. See, Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. Actually, so much so that if there was a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman last on earth, then earth would be over. To, to interact with Samaritans as a Jew was to make you unclean, to make you unworthy of hanging out with your friends. Jesus took a step of faith first by entering Samaria, second, talking to this Samaritan. Not only that, the fact that she was a woman 
religious teachers would never interact with, never mind their own wives, never mind a woman. We see Jesus pause to meet this woman. The fact that she came to the well when she did meant that she was a social outcast. See, people would travel in protection in groups to the wells so they could be protected, and it was a social time, and they would connect as members of the same town. And this woman is here by herself and encounters Jesus. We cannot start this story without seeing the beauty of the grace of God and the beauty of the gospel that Jesus would pause for us. That Jesus would stop and interact with us who we really truly should have no interaction with him. But just like he stops for this woman, Jesus has stopped for every single one of us. And we see these three base human cravings. And Jesus addresses each one. The first one is this. This woman had a practical craving she was trying to fill. Jesus says, if you knew what I was offering you, this living water, you would never thirst again. And it's funny that Jesus is using an analogy, speaking to things spiritually, and her response is practical. Hey, if I don't have to walk back to this well again, I want what you're offering. Practically, we have cravings that need to be filled, cravings for success, practical I want to make more money than anybody else because if I can do that, then I am going to feel successful. That will satisfy my craving. Man, if I could just be popular, if I could just have over a thousand friends on Facebook and have a couple people shout me out on Instagram every now and then, I would be just fine. I want to be Snapchat famous. What's that even mean? Like, I don't understand what that means. I want to be a social media mogul. Congratulations. I don't know what that means. We have these practical needs. Some of us, our practical needs started early, and we find ourselves addicted to this, that, or the other thing, hoping in a moment that we'd find satisfaction for the things that we were craving. The second one that we see Jesus address with her is relationships. We all have cravings for relationship. Jesus looks at her and says, hey, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands, and this current one, the six, is not even really your husband. Interesting to me that Jesus' issue was not with the five in the past, but the one current. Side note about Jesus. Jesus really doesn't care about where you've been. Jesus cares a whole lot more about where you're at and where you're going. Jesus interacts with this Samaritan woman. He goes, hey, you've had five husbands and life has been tough. They probably died. They probably passed away. They probably went away. They probably divorced you. Really didn't matter to Jesus. What he's saying is where you're currently at, let's do something about. Some of us have discredited us ourselves from having Jesus enter our lives and save us because we're so concerned about where we've been. Jesus really doesn't care. What he's more worried about is, are you willing to do something different moving forward? But man, we jump from relationship to relationship because if we could just get the right person, then I'd be fulfilled. If I could just get the right type of person to like me, if I could just get the right type of attention, if, if I could just have them satisfy this need in me to feel loved, if I could just feel needed, then I'm going to satisfy this craving in my soul. 
These are easy, obvious ones for us to see, but the third one that Jesus deals with is the most interesting to me. We all have a base spiritual craving. She says this, hey, we worship on this mountain, we worship this God, but the Jewish people say that the God to worship is the one over there, and Jesus' response is, you worship who you do not know. It's the funny thing about humanity is deep down inside our soul, there's this belief that we can't run from that says there has to be something more. A lot of times our souls are a lot further ahead than our heads. We spend a lot of time trying to connect to things that make sense. That's why humanity has been building idols and building things to worship for a long time. Because their soul is saying, hey, there's something more. And their head is saying, but I have to see it. I don't know where you're at with your faith in this room, but it's interesting to me that a lot of us a long time ago knew maybe, just maybe, there's something more. And we've been building idols practically and relationally because, hey, at least we can see that one. But I love that Jesus does not leave this woman here. But he says, hey, you've been worshiping what you don't know, but I am he. I am the one that you've been looking for. John 10.10 puts it this way. I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Matthew 5 verse 6 says it this way. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. I don't know what you're craving tonight. I don't know where life got complicated and left you believing that it's not that simple. I don't know where you're at that says, hey, I have to have the right amount of money. I have to marry the right type of person. I have to go to the right type of school. I have to do the right types of things. And maybe, just maybe, if in my 60s I tie it all together, then I'll be satisfied. I want to make the argument tonight that it's just as simple as it ever was. That satisfaction comes from the desire to say, I'm going to place my life in the person who can satisfy all three of these. See, it's in Jesus that we see our practical needs met. It says in Matthew 16, what gain is it if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? Matthew 6, puts it this way, seek first the kingdom of righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. If we want our practical needs met, it starts with saying, hey, the life I live is a gift from God, and I'm going to do everything I can to chase what God has for me, and if as I chase that, everything practically starts making sense. Relationally, it says in Proverbs that we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. It says in 1 John 4, now this is love, that Christ laid down his life for me. There is no other person in this world that has the ability to meet your needs relationally than Jesus. Spiritually, Jesus is the one that our soul has been searching for. The question becomes this, am I willing to allow it to be? that simple. It's a complicated and yet simple problem. Am I crazy enough to believe that everything I need can be found 
in this one, one person. That the practical needs I'm searching for, the relational needs that I'm craving, the spiritual thing that says that there's something more. Am I willing to simply put my faith in Jesus first and then watch everything else start to fall into place? Can you bow your head and close your eyes as we wrap up? I don't know, again, where you're at tonight, and life has us in all these different places, but, man, I know we're all craving three things. We're craving things practically, relationally, and spiritually, and if you find yourself in a season of life or in a place where life is just not adding up in one of those spots, man, I don't want to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you would put your hand on your heart, if you're coming to realize that you've been trying to satisfy your cravings in things other than Jesus. You've been trying to satisfy purpose and relationship and success and destiny in places other than who really can be the one to satisfy. I want to pray for you. It's not complicated. I'm not going to call you forward, but Jesus, we thank you that in you we find fullness. That your word says that it brought you pleasure to dwell everything together to you, that our cravings practically and relationally and spiritually, that in you, if we're willing to put it all into you, everything begins to make sense. and Everything starts to come together. We worship you and we thank you for that. And you are worthy of our praise and we love you in your name.